0: So I don't play any hits. I just play the stuff that, that nobody's ever heard or nobody knows exists or in some cases I didn't even know existed. But uh, So I basically just play either really obscure songs by famous artists or famous songs by really obscure artists.
1: everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson uh joining me today is one of my new friends gilbert neal welcome to the show gilbert
0: thank you hi thank you for having me
1: yeah so uh tell us a little about yourself
0: well i um the, the i guess the germane thing would be to say i have uh a podcast from my radio show which i do here in Hillsboro, north carolina i've been doing it for about five six years and it's called d sides orphans and oddities oh. and um i uh moved that over to a podcast which is d and the conceit of the show and um if you're a bruce springsteen fan you're safe from this but the conceit of the show is um to find the CD underbelly of pop music from 1965 to 1980. And I chose 1980 as a cutoff point because if you notice, um, I was a musician at the time and and I noticed that um, drum machines and synthesizers started to take over the production and I think make them a lot less interesting. So basically the, the Beatles came to America, a big explosion, and for 15 years, I examined, like, that part of time. So um, I actually did a, a show on Bruce Springsteen, but um, not the way I knew, normally do it. Um, like, for instance, um, this, this week on the podcast, I did, I did a radio show last week about um, artists who had to try disco because they either felt that their careers were uh, waning or they just wanted to try it. Or you know whatever, so I don't play any hits. I just play the stuff that um, that nobody's ever heard, or nobody knows exists, or in some cases I didn't even know existed. But uh, so I basically just play either really obscure songs by famous artists or famous songs by really obscure
1: artists. That's pretty interesting. I I, I think that's a fun concept to play with. Oh, it's um, so fun!
0: Yeah, it's you know, very interesting, and I never, yeah. I never, I never run out of stuff to play. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, for instance, um, you, do you do you know who Lou Christie is? Vaguely. So Lou Christie had a hit in 1966 mm-hmm. with a song called "Lightning Strikes," okay. It was a pretty big hit. And um, he had a couple of hits before that, and a couple of hits after that. But then, after like 1970, he disappeared. But I found a whole bunch of records that he made in the late 70s, early 80s that were disco records, and no, no one would ever. You wouldn't put Lou Christie with disco, or like Freddie Cannon with disco, right. or uh, you know things like that. But but um, I find these these releases, and in some cases, I buy them. Uh, uh, you're uh, you you like vinyl. Yeah, sure. So I I like vinyl, but I like the stuff that nobody wants. I'm not looking for um, appreciation or right. um, rarities and things like that. I collect. I did collect because it's a very short collection. Like you know the band Sha Na Na. Yeah. Well, they did. They had three members who did solo albums in the '70s, and I and I found those. I tracked them down, and um, some of them are bad, just awful, but. But um, one of the guys, Jackie Jocko, or no, no, Jay Jocko is actually his name. His album was produced by the guy who played lead guitar for Steely Dan on the song um, "Reeling in the Years." Oh, okay. So, like, there's all sorts of um, connections with with. With, with like pop music and, and bad pop music, things like that.
1: So before I was obsessed with Bruce Springsteen, um, I was obsessed with, and I still remain, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Ah, yes. You know, um, that was my first musical love. Mm-hmm. And Here Comes the Night was the disco version they did of a song they did and they put it out on the light album, I believe. Yeah. Um, album, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, it is, it is bad.
0: I actually played it on my show uh, last month. Yes. Because, um, uh, I don't know. I, you're a big, big, um, fan mm-hmm. of the beach of the beach boys. Um, and I, I, I I think I'm wrong. I don't think it was, I I don't think it was, um, um, reeling in the years. I think it was another song that Elliot Randall played on, but so, so I am someone who, who is not amenable to beach boy apologists, which is what I call them who say, um, the light album is a hidden gem or the MIU album is, is, is Uh like subtle with, with overtones of this or that. I think it's all garbage, Uh but I still like listening to it.
1: So So, um, I love Beach Boy. I love, love you. Um, And I know it's not a great album, but it just, for some reason it it connects to me. Um, I, I can remember being excited about picking up MIU um, mostly because my buddies and I, love the uh come go with me we like dum 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 dum." and like the beach boys are doing one of our favorite songs Uh it's great um
0: that album has that album has um like the song my diane yeah is really i mean if you if you know the story it's really Mm -hmm. dark i mean yes and 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 that's like that's like him waking up around that period of time to write just the best song on the album i think yeah, And the most meaningful track and everything else is just, mm-hmm. just to me, it's strange.
1: Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I certainly. Um, recognize that. Um, Brian can be hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love. Pardon the pun. Love and mercy. Right. From his solo album. I, yeah. I love that song. Yeah. And. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I recognize, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that um, the first time I bought Pet Sounds, I was used to Endless Summer and all this surfing music and I didn't get it. And as I went on and on, and I know it is cliche to like, oh, I love Pet Sounds. But the reality is it is one of the albums that I, if people list, list your top five albums, I definitely, Mm -hmm. Pet Sounds is one Uh of those. Yeah.
0: Have you ever heard uh, Smart Girls?
1: I'm not sure. Oh. okay
0: oh my god so okay. so smart girls is another show another song i play that's brian wilson under the um ages of uh, eugene Lambie okay and, and um it's a rap song okay brian wilson does this rap song about him being like the hit maker and write, writing hit songs with a wave of his hand, uh-huh. and and talking about the fact that most of the girls in the songs that he wrote were not very smart, okay. and and it, and it's just awful. Oh oh oh! It's so okay. so bad. I will have
1: to check. I made that. I, I know. wish that was
0: you never having heard it because okay. I th- I think you have something to look forward to.
1: I uh, I love. I couldn't get my old body to move, which is huh? one of you know, one of the outtakes he did about exercise, um, <laughs> and. Um, I, I you know I, I i ended up um buying a bootleg of sweet insanity uh-huh. you know and it was a uh-huh. copy of a copy of a copy uh uh-huh. you know so yeah i um it, there are there are there are there are songs in those albums uh like you know fifteen big ones uh-huh. um there are a couple songs on there i really like a lot um i enjoy uh, but i also know that I'm listening from a a Beach Boy Brian Wilson fan ear.
0: What's the one right. that goes? It goes. Do you know that? That's like a a of like a takeoff on Shortening Bread. Yes, but it's like it's like really like strange and 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 funky. The name of yep. it is is escaping me now, but. Um, hmm. <laughs> they they talk about I, I think it's like some studio tomfoolery where they're yeah they're talking about like like male genitals basically. okay <laughs> and and I and I and it was recorded and I think um um this seventy one or seventy two okay and people can't quite put their finger on when it was recorded but um uh oh it's, it's so strange it's so yeah. strange
1: well and. In- I think you know I saw once this rock and roll list book I think I owned years ago and they talked about that the recording artist that has the most unintended noise on their uh, songs are the beach boys.
0: Oh like, that's yeah, yeah that's the the rock and roll book of lists. Yes. With um that one of one of the factoids on that was um uh the band um uh with the most albums that never most albums released that never made the top forty was um, Fatback. Yeah, and and so we're talking about the same. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. I love that book when I was younger and, and did that, so that's good.
0: So you but, probably like the Rolling Stone Record Guide too.
1: I did. I do, mm-hmm. and um and I love, you know. In fact, I had two guys on yesterday, uh, Jim and Sean. Um, they do a, a podcast called "You're Not Listening." And uh, the basic premise is it's a father and a son. Um, uh, Jim brings a song. Sean brings a song and they play it and then they just dissect it. Like, why do you, why do I love this song? Let me explain to you why, what do I can find about this? And so I love the idea of breaking that down and talking about this. And, and, you know, Gilbert, it sounds like a fun podcast where you're taking um, songs that go, you know, this is—is is it so bad it's good, mm. or is it, you know, or is it just a painful, you know? Uh, how do you push that, right?
0: Right. Um. So, one of the people that I have, uh, I have a, actually have a, a history with is, is this Lou Christie fellow, yeah, who who grew up around Pittsburgh, where he knew of my aunt Abby Neal. Um, and she had her own TV show and he was, um, he was a fan of hers. He actually put out an album of hers, but I'm, I'll never play it cause it's too old uh-huh. or it's the, the stuff they recorded is too old. But so he put out an, al- he put out a 12 inch single in 1981 about the guardian angels, you know, the guardian angels. Sure. So he put out a 12 inch of the guard. I have it right over here. I just, I just purchased it. Um, and it's awful. It's 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 him rapping, and then talking about how they saved his mother uh-huh. and stuff. And, and and that's something where I'm I'm never gonna say. You know, there's something catchy about that uh, Luke christie rap song. It's it's just it's bad, but it's interesting to me because I think a lot of those stars from the '60s and the '70s, even the '50s, like uh, I think uh, Connie Francis did one um they had to they they felt that they had to resort to that so there were like a lot of slick producers in like germany or los angeles who would say oh yeah i can do i can do that for you and they would go get a studio somewhere and make this really slick background and then then there would be you know frank sinatra did it um they all did it and Uh and the beach boys did so um oh have you ever heard of uh celebration celebration I'm not sure okay yeah. so Mike Love you know
1: oh yes um, absolutely yes
0: so he he did uh, I think two albums with Celebration
1: right the and soundtrack he... to America Thon
0: no right. um uh, all no it wasn't America Thon that okay. was um, um but they did they did the soundtrack to that movie they were talking about then they did another record okay. and then they put out an album called Disco Celebration Oh, which, no. was, which was just disco records sung by this girl who had a pretty, pretty nice voice, but, um, but Mike Love, like co-wrote everything. Um, and I think they did a version of uh, don't worry, baby.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, which again, you know, anything Mike Love touches, you know, is, is, is not very good back then because he was strictly a money-making, you know, formula guy yeah but um yo you should you should dig that up it's it's um it's it's disco it's clean
1: yeah. okay
0: it's got real drums playing the same thing over and over again that's what it is so that's the kind of deal yeah. i'm dealing in
1: yeah um like summer in paradise was the album that they put out that was horrible <laughs> you know there was nothing from brian uh you know um that that's that's interesting As a thought all right well Um, I always like to start at the beginning. So talk to me, where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to?
0: Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Um, Excuse me. My father uh, died when I was six, but he had uh, Jim Reeves albums. And um, uh, I can't remember the name of the band, but they had a hit with uh, Washington Square. It was an instrumental with a banjo. But um, my mother really didn't listen to music. Um, Okay. And uh, one day I'm walking, uh, I think it was uh, sixth grade. I'm walking down the street and there's a kid in front of me walking up from school and he just moved in to our neighborhood and he had uh, the Beatles' second album under his arm. I'd never seen it. But, you know, there was something compelling about these four beautiful boys just 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 playing music and and the american uh, the, the american release of that is just fantastic it's like they did something with the uh with the mastering or s- something for an american audience but it, it's it just snaps so we would listen to those records over and over again and we would play hockey stick uh band he would play pen drums
1: uh-huh.
0: and uh we were uh, probably about nine or ten when this happened and um I had never heard anything like it before. So um, so since my house wasn't really, um, you know, the mother and father didn't sit down and we didn't have lunch or dinner together. We just sort of scrounged for whatever we could. Um, I spent a lot of my time, like I'm spending it now with you is with headphones on, listening to the Beatles repeatedly, just re- listening repeatedly to, um, to sort of uh, internalize the lessons. And um, then I moved on to Led Zeppelin and then I moved on to King Crimson and then I moved on to this or that. And it was never, you know, listening to it because I loved it. It was listening to it because there was something inside me that made me do it. Wow. So along that line, I became a musician and I was never um, a virtuoso at anything, but I could hear something once and play it because I had listened to the Beatles so often and sort of knew where the notes went. So um, so um, I started playing in bands and things, um, writing songs, uh, basically making up melodies, but not really taking a lot of time to write lyrics that were like cogent. Okay. But um, so I, I've, I've put out six albums, and I'm working on a seventh, but um, I live in North Carolina now. I have three kids and, uh, and a, a great wife and um, they're very supportive, but, but um, you know, that's it. I, it's, it's not, music is not something I love. It's something that I have to do, it, including it, listen to it, including, you know, finding these stupid records, you
1: know? Yeah. it, it, it it is a calling to it. It is to a certain degree to you, isn't it?
0: Yeah. It's almost like it's, it's, it's not even a calling. It's like a demand. Okay. It's like a, it's like genetic. It's like, or not genetic, but it's, but it's like cellular. It's like visceral.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, to say, I love the Beatles or the, they're my favorite band. It's, it's like saying that my mother is my favorite mother or mm-hmm. my wife is my favorite wife. It's, it's not something I put a lot of thought into because it's, it's cellular. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was to put down or uh, put a record down to listen to for pleasure, it would be something like uh, XTC or uh, um, uh, um, Stevie wonder or things Mm -hmm. like that. Those are the things I really, really like, but the Beatles are more like they're like family and they've never met me.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's, that's, that's a beautiful way to put it. Um, my dad and and mom, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Where are you? Uh, so, I'm currently in Dallas, Texas, oh. but uh, like I was born in Louisiana. Uh, my dad was stationed in Kentucky, Germany, um, you know, Louisiana. We moved around. My mom was a Um, mom and daddy's girl so anytime she could she moved back to Louisiana I counted up once I went to 12 different schools between first and eighth grade
0: oh it must have been hard
1: it was and and I um I discovered comic books very young and uh someone was talking to me once that um her theory she was a counselor she said that because I had no friends that I could count on because the mo I learned very quickly, the quick, the, as soon as you got too close to someone, you were going to move mm-hmm. and you'd never see him again. Mm-hmm. And while that my, uh, my friends in the, you know, four colors, you know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, you know, were always there for me. And so that's why I developed this, this um, love of, you know, comic books and reading and Mm -hmm. um you know my mom to this day said you know that jesse would give up food to buy a kid a book Mm -hmm. you know because he wants him to have that passion and that feeling um how old are you uh i am uh 61 i was born in 59
0: okay do you know um the recorded history of spider-man like the album's
1: Yes, uh, you know, a vague, not as much as probably you do, but enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I did one episode on those, like Uh the the Spider Man stuff, um, with Stan Lee. He did, he like gave his blessing to one of the albums, and then there was, um, there was the band Crack the Sky. Are you familiar with? Yes. So Crack the Sky was like the backing band for one of them, and stuff like that. And I don't know as much about Spider Man as as, as you do, but, but um, so but but you know about it.
1: Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: That's the kind of thing. Yeah. That the people don't play, you know, or they they're, they're, they're hardcore, like, like you, they know about all those
1: characters and all that stuff. So Gilbert, what, why do you think, well, what kind of what was the initial gem or kind of spark that said, Hey, um, this would be an interesting show to do
0: um wow that's a good question and um i know the answer exactly so um when i was in buffalo i had a sales job um back in the nascent stages of uh computer development okay and and uh a guy sitting in the cubicle next to me uh is still a friend of mine his name was mike and he used to make me these tapes of like what we're talking about. Like he'd make me tapes of like like "Love You," and I'd never heard of it. Or he'd make me tapes of um, of uh, of Jan Hammer's band with Jan Hammer singing, or um, just just crazy stuff. And I'd never heard it before, but it was it was so amusing to me. And so he was like a hero of mine. Um, so we used to talk a lot about the fact that there was all this world of music where like once you didn't have a hit or once you had to fill out a, a B side or whatever, there was this whole world of like, not, not necessarily all bad. Um, like for instance, um, Stevie wonder produced an album for a couple of albums for his ex-wife Sarita, who later on had a number one song with Billy Preston. Um, um, Woman don't you know, with you on board again but her two albums she did with Stevie are just amazing. And they, they, and I, I, I don't think they went anywhere, but like, that's the kind of stuff that we were like, we would talk about back and forth and, and we love the same stuff. We love funk music and things like that. And then once I moved, I found myself in the car, um, bad, bad psychotic confession here talking about, I would do these little factoids. I would just say them in the car and think, you know, I would be interested in this, and so I started to find these 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 other shows like um, 365 Days with uh, Otis Otter and um, Phil Phil Milstein and um, um, Crap from the Past with uh, um, Ron Boogie Monster Gerber in from Minnesota, and and I just was fascinated by things that just were not on the radio. And things that nobody like would would know, um, and it didn't interest me. You know, um, uh, like like um, Leonard Skinner didn't interest me, but that was because they were successful, and I didn't think that anything that they did on their albums was going to be as interesting as something like um, Rotary Connection, who who were crazy, interesting, versatile failures that that didn't do too well but but um I just find them more interesting you know I um uh and and so when the when 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 someone in Hillsborough said that they were gonna have a radio station I just traipsed on down there and I said you gotta do this show because if you don't I'm gonna go crazy and um so WHUP graciously let me do a show for them on Saturday nights and then later on I got the idea of just taking all this stuff and 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 filling it with some some context on my podcast and um, it's not the best um, but it's a it's an entertaining two hours if you if you like music that's not something you've heard before and maybe would never get heard you know if it wasn't for you know people like the people I mentioned and me doing this stuff
1: so, what's a your, couple, what's please, a couple what's a couple episodes that you're especially proud of? You mentioned the Spider Man one. I imagine that's something pretty cool. What what are a couple others that you, if if someone was going to go sample you, are like here's something you find interesting.
0: Um, I'm I'm going through them right now because because it's never it's oh yeah okay i'll tell you the one i'm most proud of is the one that really got very few um uploads and that's the one i did on kid creole and the coconuts
1: okay
0: who um came from uh, dr buzzard savannah band uh they were like a disco group they had a hit with cherché la femme but this kid creole guy was like a pre a precursor to prince And some of their music is so unbelievable and it's so good. Some of it's not, but some of it's really unbelievable. And and I did a whole episode where I talked about um, Kid Creole and um, mostly I talked about their live show from uh, the eighties. They did these shows in New York in these, 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 these places that were like concept shows, like where they would act out an entire sort of musical that this kid Creole had written uh-huh. um, and the band is just amazing. And I had discovered all I didn't discover, but I discovered for myself all these things and I like just dove into the kid Creole. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to call it a zeitgeist because at their best, they were not that popular. Right. Um, but I like it a lot because I, I learned a lot of things. Um, I did a show about Bonnie
1: Wright, who's my favorite female singer. Um One of Bruce's early supporters. Is that so? Yeah, he would often um, he would often open for her and he used to joke about she was his second favorite redhead because Patty, his current okay. wife is redhead. Yes, yeah. And so yeah, Bonnie was very supportive of Bruce early.
0: Um, another show of mine that I like, but I can't listen to. Um, you know, a lot of people they get stuff off of uh, YouTube. But I actually found a library that sold. Um, huh. There was a, there was a record um, released in I think '69, and um, the, the, the 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 single was called "The Prophet." Okay. And what it was was a bunch of just a no no band of nobodies singing this song about the prophet it was kind of like a monkeys-esque sort of deal and then in between like the the choruses this guy named David Hoy would tell would would speak these um predictions I predict that in 19, you know 94 a, a plane will crash And 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 it's just such a piece of 60s craziness that I had to look the guy up and, and his, his first album is not available on YouTube or it's not available on Amazon or anywhere, except for there's this library that charges you $10 for the privilege of downloading this entire album of this David Hoy making predictions. And I did. And that's another show that I like because that one is combined with um, the band Translator from, uh, I think, 81, 82, who I really like. Translator should have gone a lot farther. And so I play uh, some of their stuff, and of course, um, Alex Harvey Band got a got a good reaction. The Sensational Alex Harvey Band show, um, uh, things like that that I would never give it a never have given a chance when I was a young man, but now I I, I just love you know there all all of these acts have something um, special about them. I bought. Um, an album by a group called hello people have you ever heard of them no so hello people was formed in 67 by a producer who thought since they're really good musicians they should also try to mime so they would do this in their stage show they would do mime in their stage show they released um, i think seven albums from 1967 to 1980 they toured with todd rundgren they were like um they'd open for Todd Rundgren or they'd they'd stay on stage with them when he was doing his tour and stuff. And it's just, you know, mime rock and roll is like they they were before kiss and they were before Alice Cooper and nobody, nobody remembers who they were. They'd never recorded anything really great. And I, I I have never heard anything of theirs, but I bought an album because I thought, you know, this is something that no one's going to want. So have a home with me.
1: I love the idea that you're the Misfit, the Island of Misfit toys, you know, with with the Rudolph, you know, Christmas special. I want you to know. be a dentist. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, the idea that you've thrown together this collection of, you know, never were mm-hmm. certainly one hit wonders and other things that you find beauty in, sure. in, in sharing. I think that's a really lovely thing.
0: Thank you. Um, the band, by the way, I forgot to mention was the wayward bus. Okay. So in the late sixties, the wayward bus did a, did a record with, um, David Hoy. So
1: okay,
0: he, he did a few things. So, um, and uh, a lot of blog, a lot of podcasts are, um, much, much bigger than mine. I have passed 4,000, um, downloads but that's mm-hmm. not much and i know that's not much yeah but it's something um things like the, um uh oh I, I did a show um you know the beatles came out with uh, that album one yes which was like the greatest hits so i did a whole show which fit actually perfectly in two hours where every song was recorded by another artist okay so love me do was uh, the brady bunch okay um Please Please Me was, uh, I can't remember who it was, but um, so I did a whole show like that. Um, uh, artists like the Free Design, I really, really like. They were from um, near where I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, yeah. So things like that, yes, yes. I just love those things.
1: You know, they're uh, the guys I had on, the son and father I had on last night, they t- I can't remember which podcast they they guessed it on, but there was, um, one of the things is untouchable. What are songs that should not be covered? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, man, that'd be bad for me because I'm a big fan of covers. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I love hearing someone and sometimes they're not good if they sound exactly like the band or they take it in a really crazy way. But I, I really, um, you know, Sirius XM has a covers channel. And when I'm, you know, not in the mood to listen to Bruce, I, you know, I will go over to the Covels channel and just you know swim through that for a while just to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I think that the covers of the Beatles would be interesting to do.
0: Uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to find that show right now. Because
1: um, um, Ken Rosen, who's a friend of the podcast, does a blog every day. And one of the things he routinely does is cover me And where he either talks about Bruce covering a song or a band covering Bruce. And, uh, I have a whole YouTube, you know, channel for myself of all these Bruce covers that sometimes I'll just put on and play just to hear just the Mm -hmm. different people's takes on, Mm -hmm. you know, the songs. It's just interesting.
0: So obviously, you know, um, um, Was it, was it, who was it? Oh, um, oh, um, I did a show on, uh, let's see. Uh, um, it wasn't Little Stevie. It was, um, um, who did I Don't Want to Go Home? Who did?
1: Um, Southside Johnny? Southside Johnny.
0: So, you know, he did that song. I think The yeah. Fever was it was it called? Yes. Um, uh, so, but unlike other artists, as far as Bruce Springsteen is concerned, I played... Some of the stuff from um, his old band, which was called
1: help the Castiles or Steel Mill? Steel Mill, uh, yeah.
0: Steel Mill and one by the Castiles and stuff. Okay. But I, I, I closed that section by playing uh, four songs of his um, that I think everybody knows. Um, and the one uh, I played, The River, last, mm. because um, while I'm not as uh, a big Springsteen fan, that song really, really is is very good it's very yeah. maybe that's one of the songs that people shouldn't cover because mm-hmm. you know yeah or, you know um because uh usually i try to find the seedy underbelly of every artist but with bruce right. i just went back before he was a solo artist and then i played um his version of blind by the light mm-hmm. but then i played the uh the, you know the river and um um uh, some other big songs from the
1: 80s so his latest album i don't know if you're aware of this he just put out a new album mm-hmm. in october of, yes. and uh letter to you and three of the songs were that he had written in the early 70s mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of um they recorded them and put them up and they're very interesting mm-hmm. um if i was a priest this is one of my favorites so uh you may go to spotify and check that out letter to okay. you and he's picked up a few songs um you know it's he, inter- yeah. he did that i'm sorry
0: one more thing about yeah. him he sang that version of Erie canal yes so when we were kids mm-hmm. they made us sing right. Erie canal and i just thought his version was just so good i mean everything yeah. he does is classy, yeah. you yeah
1: know. yeah that that singer session album was very interesting because, you know, my father, um, you know, would play on the guitar for Argylwana mm-hmm. Right. And, sure. and I do remember singing Erie Canal mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, O'Dan Tucker. Did you, you know, sing in, Erie Canal in Louisiana? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. news to me. Jeez. Yeah, we would do that. Yeah. The folk uh, do, uh, you know, in um, it, Old Dan Tucker, we would sing that in elementary school. Uh-huh. It was Kentucky, so maybe that's why because it was yeah, in we Kentucky. Didn't that one. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's interesting.
0: You were gonna ask a question. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, I was just gonna what do you do you have any specific future plans? Or you just want to keep doing this and having fun?
0: I just want to keep doing this and having fun. Um, when when uh, I pitched the idea for the show, um, the the, um, the, I guess the manager of the station asked me how many, how long I could go. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'd probably get all three years with, with the music that I have. But there's is, there is just, there's no end to it. I mean, so how
1: long have you been doing it?
0: Um, this October will be six years. Wow. So, um, like today, for instance, and this I think speaks to um, that fact. Mm -hmm. that um do you remember um uh daddy Dewdrop? no He so so daddy Dewdrop had a hit with um um chicka boom chicka boom don't you just love it yes
1: i remember okay i know the song didn't know the artist right right
0: so no one does i mean right but that artist kept recording and that artist actually did a disco record which i'm going to be playing on my next show my next live show so Couple weeks off. So, people like Cilla Black or um, uh, Andy Williams, of course, mm-hmm. or uh, Little Nell. Do you know who that is?
1: Sounds vaguely familiar.
0: So, Little Nell was in um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. And she did a disco record. Curtis Mayfield did a disco record. Donnie and Marie, of course, <laughs> did a disco record. Donnie, the Osmonds did a disco record produced by Maury Skibb, which they yes. did not mention. In the special, in and they the,
1: did not in the documentary, yes. <laughs> you know, what similar, um, we just were talking about this. My uh, the guy who runs my network, uh, Rob and I were having a meeting, and um, he said, You know, funny story, um, when you told me you were going to do a Springsteen podcast, um, he says, You know, we got off the phone and I told my wife. Martha, who's his co-owner, you know, partner, he said, Hey, Jesse wants to do a Springsteen fan podcast. I I think we'll get a year out of it. And September was five years. I've had over 600 shows, you know? And so, yeah, just a lot of shows. It is a lot of talk about, but uh, one of the things Gilbert, that has kind of kept it fresh is having people like yourself that aren't necessarily massive Springsteen fans, but they are passionate about other music. And sharing that has kind of kept it fun mm-hmm. and kept it going.
0: You gotta, res- you gotta respect someone like him. Who, yeah. Um, um, one of the things I learned was that he was not, um, he was not uh, an overnight success. He worked right. really hard and he heard a lot yeah. of no. And, yeah. Um, and 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 that made me respect me even more. But
1: yeah. But, it is. It is. Um, he talks about that. And in this latest album, uh, there's a documentary on Apple TV. But um, what was the genesis for this latest album is uh, the last remaining mem- live band member, the Castiles, died a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And Bruce was there, um, visited him toward the end of his life and was talking to him. And when he passed away, it hit George, it hit Bruce that I'm the last man standing. That Mm. this band that I had played in high school, I'm the only one left alive. And that Mm. kind of spurned the political. And so he does a song, um, you know, Last Man Standing and uh, I'll See You in My Dreams is one of my favorite songs where he talks about death is not the end and I will see you in my dreams. It's Mm. really beautiful. Um, I... What have I not asked you that I should have, Gilbert? Um,
0: maybe you know there there are um, extremes. There are artists I like, and there are artists I don't like. There are artists I'm yeah. prejudiced against. Yeah. Um, uh, people like, um, like Neil Diamond. I'll mm-hmm. never like Neil Diamond. I don't care okay. how successful he was. I'll, I'll never like him.
1: Uh, Is it just the voice? Is it the cadence or just?
0: No, it's the fact that, um, first of all, he, he, he did a song, uh, called the The pot song. Did you ever hear that? No. So it's just awful. It's just awful. It's like, you know, he's, he's like the anti rock star in that, um, he was he was one of those people who pointed his finger at people who were smoking marijuana and saying, "Boy, okay. they don't look silly doing that," you know. And, okay. and he was he was in the jazz singer, and he did he also did disco records um, that nobody ever heard, and uh, he did a just awful cover of "Dancing in the Streets," which okay. is a great song. Maybe you know people could should cover it because it's a pretty simple song, but it's yeah. easy to get those things wrong. Right. Um, okay. Uh, like I said, my, fr- my 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 favorite my favorite my favorite artists that I've discovered doing the show mm-hmm. are artists like the Free Design and um, Sarita Wright. Um, uh, I have respect for the for the Bee Gees, and people should have respect for them. Yes, because they wrote just so many songs that other people made better, but yes. they wouldn't have made it better if they didn't exist. Exactly. How can you mend a broken heart? Who who yeah. did that? Was it Al Green or someone who did yeah. that? Yeah. But but it's just, um. For me, the show is leading toward um. More, and dirtier underbelly, which is okay. to say, which is to say, there are a lot of awful lot of missteps. I mean, someone like Bruce Johnston or Johnson Johnston. Mm,
1: yeah, Johnston. I, yeah.
0: I you know I I played some of his. <clears throat> his solo album, yeah, and he just seems like a car salesman to me—a really nice well, one,
1: right? Like, what's interesting, right? I really like Disney Girls. You know, that's one of you know the song that his, but you right, know the, that version of it, yes. So yes. the, the one on
0: yeah. Uh, Sunflower,
1: yeah. But um, or was it? Um, yeah, was the, no, okay. I think it was Sunflower. But then, right, like he wrote, I write the songs, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is hilarious that. What people would consider one of the f- perfect textbook Barry Manilow songs mm-hmm. is a song not written by Barry Manilow, right. who is himself a prof- prolific songwriter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh,
0: yeah, that there was like um, the first version recorded was by Captain and Tennille, right? And um, if any if any group should be Known as the Beach Boys 2, it should be the Captain and Tennille. Absolutely, but, but everybody thinks of them as "Love will keep Love will keep us together" and "Muskrat yeah. Love." And although yeah. that was a pretty kick-ass production for, excuse me, for for 1975 radio, "Love will keep us together" is a pretty yes. innovative single.
1: Absolutely, know? yes.
0: And people just took it take it for granted. And yeah, the Dennis Wilson was doing things like that, but the Beach Boys sure weren't.
1: No, you know? no. In fact, um, you know, I remember when Carl. Quit the band and did a couple of soul albums. Uh, they're very dated. Very dated. Uh, very, very dated. dated. Yeah, but I remember the excitement of the, buying that first. It was an album. And uh, just exciting because it's new Beachborn material. And was it Youngblood? Uh, no, the one before, Carl Wilson. Oh, mm-hmm, Youngblood, okay. I did not like as much. But the first one, Carl Wilson. And f- so great story, Gilbert. I'm living in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I'm dating um, the lady who is now my wife, Linda, and her uh, brother lived in Dallas, Texas. And so we as a family went to go visit Ralph and Robin in, you know, Dallas. And um, I get the Dallas paper and I see that Carl Wilson is playing in Dallas that night on the solo tour, right? Right. And so I'm like looking at Linda, like, okay, I've got to go. Like, I know this is family time, but there's no way I'm not going to see. And we did. Linda and I went. We got to see him. It was amazing to see him perform solo. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he did very few. I think he. Long Promised Road, I think, might have been the only Beach Boy song he did. Mm-hmm. He did all solo material.
0: Was it with a band or just yeah? It was solo? with a
1: band, yeah. It was, okay. And was then Ricky
0: guitar in the band?
1: No, it wasn't. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and so, I, I think. Anyway, the the point is, you're right that um, it Captain and Tennille, right, were because they were part of the touring Beach Boy bands for a while. Right, that Captain yeah. was Daryl was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So this is out of just, um, hold your, put your seatbelt on because I'm good. I don't want you to get whiplash, but you were talking about different people. What I find amazing. And and I grew up, like I said, 74, 75. I'm in junior high freshman in high school. I'm listening to my AM radio, my clock radio, top 40 radio was it for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, like everyone else, I adored John Denver back then. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's weird. I could get why he's not in the rock and roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. even though as a pop star, he certainly is anyone else that they've talked about. But well, he's he was not untouchable. As, yeah. He also isn't in the country and country Western Hall of Fame. And it's, it's just maybe just because he's uncool. I think it's
0: because he transcended music. To become um, sort of um, ubiquitous in showbiz, yeah. and um, that sort of made it—I'm uh, not going to say people took it for granted, but maybe yeah. it lowered his esteem in some people's yeah. eyes. I mean, Rocky Mountain High is just about you know smoking marijuana, sitting around a fire. Yeah. You know, everybody's high. Rocky Mountain yeah. High—that's how right. high they are. Um, you know, and another thing is maybe it was because he signed that Starland Vocal Band to his record label. Maybe that's why, because I would punish him for that.
1: One of my favorite moments of TV is um, Sports Night. One of the first ep- one of the first few episodes, Aaron Sorkin's show, uh, and um, the character is Dan has to apologize because he had. He had specifically said something wrong, and so on the apology, he he talks about his brother being high and dying in a car wreck, and that's why he remembered the date. And um, it's a very touching moment, and earlier in the show, Casey, his partner, had talked about that, how is the Starland vocal band not cool, because, you know, I have it, their Grammy's, you know, greatest hit C D. And he says that alone makes it not cool. Um, and so you can see this, but Dan's apology. Um, Casey comes over and you just think he's gonna say, Look, I appreciate you bearing your soul, and he goes, you know the Grammys voted them the best, and and Afternoon Delight is playing, and it is a great moment of uh, music. So, uh, yeah, they had a think about it. One hit wonder had a summer replacement show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't, was Murray Langston on that show?
1: Or? I think he may have been.
0: So yeah. they they their their follow up to that was I don't know if it was the follow up or a B side to the, the follow up was called Liberated Woman. Okay. Have you heard it? No. So that's like, I mean, it's like the metal machine music of Yacht Rock. I mean, yes. it's, it's just Bill Bill Danoff wrote mm-hmm. it, you know, talking about a liberated woman and she's going to do this. And is it mm-hmm. okay if I don't do the dishes tonight? It just, <laughs> it's just awful stuff. And, and they did like three or four records, you know. Yeah do you like Chicago? Did you? Did you sure. Like I was,
1: you know, that high school to Carl Wilson. Absolutely, and... Yeah. Carl Wilson. They toured, um, you know, color my world and just, um, you know, um, does anyone know what time it is? Absolutely. One of my best concert memories was living in Dallas. Um, so this would been late eighties maybe early 90s. I can't remember if Chris had been born or not, but um, it was an outdoor concert and Chicago and the Beach Boys were touring together. Brian wasn't touring at the time with them, of course, but um, Chicago opened, played, you know, a lot of hits then the Beach Boys played and then the encore was the Beach Boys and Chicago playing together. And so you had the horns on some of the beach boy songs and you had the beach boy harmony on some of the Chicago songs. And that was a fun show.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I saw them in 83, no yeah. 82. Mm-hmm. They were in the round. There was a theater in Buffalo called melody fair. Yeah. So, um, so that was a uh, comeback tour
1: mm-hmm. with the,
0: the full support of full moon records and um, David Foster. Yeah. But, um, Oh, oh, I got to tell you, my, my another favorite show of mine. Okay. Oops, oops, didn't mean to do that, um, is a, a show I did about uh, Major Bill Smith. Okay. Do you know who that is?
1: No, I do not.
0: So Major Bill Smith was the guy who, he produced like three top, three number one songs in the 60s. One of them was Bruce Chanel channel, Bruce Chanel's Hey okay. Baby. So you know it's all right. Yes. Hey, baby. So this major Bill Smith, I did a whole uh, like a half show about him releasing uh, singles about Elvis being alive,
1: oh, wow. even though he
0: had died. And uh, Bruce Bruce Chanel or Channel, I can't. He actually recorded a song called "Requiem for Elvis," where Bruce would sing. Like snippets from Elvis's hits, and then Major Bill Smith would would inter, inter intercede with, um, did you ever notice that Elvis was this or that? You know, trying to like put doubt in your mind that Elvis yeah. might really be alive. Oh, the King is gone, but we'll never forget him. And that's uh, it's oh. just so that I don't whole fun. so yeah that, that that's the kind of show I really like.
1: That sounds um, great.
0: And it's hard to dig this stuff up, and it's yeah. hard to find it. How uh, much
1: work do you put in for your two hour show? Do you think?
0: i would say about five hours a show because, i can imagine because it, it's sad to say and this is why i don't know any friends but i know a lot of stuff yeah so um i dug up every version of um bruce chanel's hey baby he did like five of them uh-huh. um one in 68 and um Paul and Paula, who did "Hey Hey Paula," you know that song? Sure. They did a disco version. House, of, yeah,
1: yeah. Right. They did a
0: disco version of that in 1975, and 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 things like that. Just just I, it, it I did a show about um, Freddie Cannon. You know who that is, right? Sure. Because you know the song "Palisades Park" that the beach, right. beach Boys covered. Yes. So he was a he was a hit in the the early 60s. Palisades Park and. Um, Tallahassee lassie, and uh, mm-hmm. but he kept going, and he kept yeah. going, and he kept going, and he he would like try to um, he did disco, and and it's really uncomfortable to hear a forty year old man like grunting and stuff. Yes, about, you know?
1: absolutely. Yeah. So
0: so I I I I, I actually bought one of uh, his singles that he released in eighty mm-hmm. one, which was um, do you know the song Hello Mada Hello Fada? Sure. He did like a version of that, but like a comedy skit about some supermarket. Oh, how funny. And and it, and I'm just thinking, you know, what happened to Freddie Cannon to make this happen in his mind? You know, like, let's get everybody together. We got to do this. We got to do this. It'll be great. You know,
1: this is great. It'll be genius.
0: Right. That's the stuff I really yeah. like. Is, is... So
1: once again, tell us the name of the show and how to find it.
0: Go to dsides, no dash, dot or on Saturday nights at six, um, my show is on whupfm.org and it's called Decides, Orphans and Oddities. Okay. A lot of fun. That
1: sounds I talk just great. Just like I'm talking now. That sounds wonderful. Um, okay. Before I let you go, um, I got to ask you the Mary question. So, uh, so I hope I gave you the homework. If I didn't, I'll have to have you come on again. Okay. Uh, So the song Thunder Road, Mm -hmm. Bruce Springsteen, Thunder Road. Yeah. Uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He just recently retired and he has his seniors spend two days breaking apart the song Thunder Road. They look at all the lyrics. They look at the imagery. They look at the themes Bruce explores. And then at the end of the two days, he asks the class, does Mary get in the car? So that's your question, Gilbert. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Yes.
0: Okay. Resigned.
1: Right? Yeah. Resigned? Yes. She She doesn't do it joyfully. She just like... I've got I don't nothing think anybody do. does
0: anything at that uh, under those
1: circumstances joyfully. Okay. Very nice. Very good. I appreciate that. That's a good answer.
0: But I gave you homework too.
1: Yes. So smart girls. I got smart check. girls by yes. Brian Wilson. Yes, I am going to check that out almost immediately. Okay. Um, Gilbert, this was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, fun. Please. For- please reach out again if you think of like you know. I I'm going to do a Bruce themed. I know that's out of your normal uh, range, but if you have something where, you know um, because Bruce was very influenced, you know, Sam and Dave and all these people, he is very vocal about the early roots of rock and roll, Roy Orbison, everything, how much they meant to him. So if you Mm -hmm. ever think of that, or if you just say, Hey, Jesse, I've got a crazy show I want to promote, reach out to me and let me know because I'd love to have you on again.
0: Thank you so much. I will do that.
1: Very good. All right. Um, are you on social media? Uh,
0: the podcast is the social media, but you can find me. My name is Gilbert Neil, Neal, N E A L. So if, if you're uh, either an FBI agent trying to track me down or uh, an old girlfriend who, who says I have a child now, just please, please look me up. You'll find okay. me.
1: What uh, do you know the Twitter handle for the show?
0: At, uh, at Mr. Gilbert Neil. No spaces.
1: Okay. okay, good. All right. I will include that. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: M.R. Gilbert Neil, not Mr. M.R. Yeah, Gilbert
1: Neil. Yeah. All right. Uh, listeners, you, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Please go check out Gilbert's podcast. Uh, sample it. Let him know. Uh, give them feedback. Tell them you heard about it here. Um, please be safe. Remember to wash your hands. Remember to social distance. Remember to wear an effing mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. For now, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thank you to my patrons who help support the show. It is greatly appreciated. I want to thank Betsy Hodges, Lee petrie Elizabeth Bronson, Stephen Malio, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosick, Carrie Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and my first patron, Mary Thomas. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support you give me. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast, that is the one, the only, Settlers Bruce. Settlers Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Settlesing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by
2: permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football